We're going to go to the book of Ephesians, and we're going to go to chapter number 6. So most of us parents had the kids memorize John 3.16 as their first verse to memorize. That's a good one. You know, that's another one. The second verse the parents want their children to memorize is Ephesians 6.1. So that's what we're heading to. Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to read verses 1 and 2. Would you stand out of respect of God's incredible word? Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1. Some of you will get it now. Yeah. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. I'll read three also, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Father, we thank you for your word. It helps us, Lord, not only to understand how to get to heaven, which is beautiful, we understand that's through Christ, and that's John 16. But you have also taught us through your word how to live here. We believe that we not only have eternal life in abundance, but we can live abundantly here on this earth. As we see homes and we see this world going through chaos and confusion, God, that is not your wish for us as your children. You don't want to for them either. But then we'll take people into a very chaotic life and lifestyle. Lord, you are not the author of confusion. You are the one that brings order. We see it in your creation. Everything there designed for a specific reason and purpose. So, Lord, open up our eyes that we'll see maybe some areas that we could do better in the area of fathering and parenting, and also for children, teenagers. And even as we get older, what did you mean, Lord, to honor our father and mother? So, Lord, help us to do that well. There are many, as we know, that wish we could give Dad a call today. Now we can't. They're in heaven. And so, Lord, this is the day when we think of what our fathers meant to us, what they did for us. And Lord, may we give that same type of love to the next generation. Thank you for what you'll do. Bless the fathers, especially this day. May we take our job serious. May we put you first in it. And we'll thank you for Jesus' sake. Amen. And you may be seated. The National Center for Fathering did the homework for me to talk about the importance of fathering. I'll give you some very quick statistics. Number one, when a home is without a father or a guardian or some male figure in the children's lives, children and father absent homes are almost four times more likely to be in poverty. Single moms, my hat is off to you. You're a family. I want you to know you are a family. And we love you, and uh, there is a burden on you, and I understand that. Today is Father's Day, though. Sadly, many times a father's absence is there, and I call them a deadbeat dad because they, they're okay with bringing, having a child, but they don't want to provide for their child. What's wrong with that? That is as unnatural as it could be. So the children 
are impoverished. The second thing they did is a statistic, drug and alcohol abuse. The uh, U.S. Department of Health and Human Service states fatherless children are at a dramatically greater risk of drug and alcohol abuse. Third one, physical and emotional health. A study of 1,977 children from the age of three on up, uh, three and older, living with a residential father or father figure, found that children living with married biological parents had significantly fewer externalizing and internalizing behavioral problems than children living with at least one non uh, biological parents. So the bottom line is God was right again. You know, we look at what designs and, you know, in this crazy day and age that we're living in, what what love is and what the family is. And God has created it, and so He knows what's best even by nature, because we can look at nature itself and see this. Educational achievement, that's a big one for us. Children in grades 7 through 12 who lived with at least one biological parent, youth that experienced divorce, separation, or non-union birth reported lower grade point averages than those who have always lived with both biological parents. Crime. Adolescents living in in that families are less likely to engage in Delinquency than their peers living in non intact families. Crime. Sexual activity and teen pregnancy. Study using a sample of 1,409 rural southern adolescents, 851 uh, females, 558 males, aged 11 to 18, investigated the correlation between father absence and self-reported sexual activity. The results revealed that adolescents in father-absent homes were more likely to report being sexually active compared to adolescents living with their fathers. Gee, dads, are we important? When we think of uh, children and you ask them the question, what do you want to be when you grow up? Angie's our daughter Angela. She was the she was a funny one because uh, first of all she wanted to be a ballerina, and then secondly she wanted to be a nurse. So I put it together. She can dance the halls of nurses, you know, uh, as a nurse, you know, and take care of all the people. They all have a thought of what they want to be when they grow up. But I doubt if any of them thought that maybe their life expectancy or midlife crisis was at seven and a half years old because they were going to get killed because of a drug deal going bad at 15. That wasn't their goal in life. Their, their goal wasn't to make a little extra money because they found out how much money there is in selling drugs, not knowing what happened. I was talking to an officer the other day at homicide, and uh, a lot of the murders are as a result as uh, of... Uh, of drugs. I read there was one guy, he said we were waiting for him to get killed as police officers because they couldn't couldn't arrest the guy. They knew he was a really bad guy, but the powers that are above him because he didn't pay back money, he, he got killed. Do you think that was his goal as a kid? Are you following me? 
this VBS and our Awana and our Sunday school classes, you folks, please pray and beg God for our kids that they're going to do what's right by God. This is important because we're dealing with chaos in a child's life versus order. Is this important? Is this relevant? I think so. I think it's time well spent for us to consider how important children are and how important our lives are. Um, We have two girls, the oldest, and then two boys. And just as dad, I'm going to give you my two cents of what I saw happen in our lives. And I'm going to, I need to give you an abridged version of this, but I think that, that this could maybe help some parents here, and even not just for now, but for down the road. And this can also be involved with guardians or, or uh, grandparents. Sometimes grandparents are very uh, involved with bringing up of, of their children. But I noticed, first of all, for my daughters, you know, when they're getting into those early teen years and they're trying to figure out who they are in life, and, you know, they're as a young lady, you know, you know, my pretty, you know, important stuff, you know, and you say, oh, they shouldn't think that way. All you did to when you were 13. So we got to remember, we, we get really old, we forget what we were like. You know why? Because we were in la-la land. Anyways... Anyways, so I noticed one thing that I started to do with both Diane and, and Angie is that I started to date them. Just me. Took them out, got dressed up, and we went out. And we took them out, I took them out on dates. I will never forget how that changed them. It created a confidence in them as a young teenage girl. And it seemed to create a stability inside of their emotions and everything. And I remember being able to hold their hands and they hold Teddy's hands. Yeah, put a price on that one. And uh, I know that, you know, daddies are always the hero. But then these knight in shining armors come along then. And they win the hearts and they whisk down and take them away. And it's a good thing a good thing. But right now, you need to be that hero for, for them. And that one that they can sit and talk with. And it's easy to preach at kids. The kids need love. They need hugs. They need attention. They need these things. Questions answered. And the boys, you know, they went through this whole roller coaster ride, you know, because they're trying to create, you know, figure out manhood. You know, you know, a young man's glory is his, where did you know it? Now you're going to know it. A young man's glory is his strength. An old man's glory is his gray hair that he has in here. I asked my wife a couple weeks ago, I said, what color is my hair, honey? She said, Carl's gray. I'm like, really? Is there enough black in there that I can say it's still no, so gray hair? So a young man's glory is his strength. You ever seen in the mirror? Boop. Look at these guns. You know, they're loaded. You know, they're looking at their muscle and their arm wrestling and their wrestling. It's all about that. That's a good thing. I know mom hates it, but dad's encouraged it. You know, they're boys, you know. And I remember going to wrestling matches, you know, and being part of it. And then these boys will kind of distance themselves because they want to become independent and they know everything. Everything. 
thing about everything. They know about everything. Until they're about 25. And then after they turn 25, dads become geniuses again. So it is. You say, I don't like that. Well, get, get used to it. Because most likely it's going to be something somewhat like that. And I remember sitting with the boys, and at that point, then we, we sat and uh, said, hey, let's go, let's go grab some breakfast, grab some coffee. And we sat down, and I won't forget that day. I read the restaurant, so shut down now. We went and we had some breakfast, and uh, we talked about boats, we talked about fishing, we talked about all the stuff. And I watched my boys and I develop a, a new relationship. And it was all because we spent some time together. And it had nothing to do with me preaching at them or telling them what's right and what's wrong in their life. It was a matter of being there as a dad. And I know we're busy. I know we're busy. Everybody's busy. But we better busy ourselves with what's important. Because you have these kids for a really short time. And I love that my kids still want to come visit us. And we can go to their house and see them. And the grandkids want to be with us. Uh, I'm telling you right now, I'm a millionaire. I'm a millionaire. I'm about as rich as you get. And I'm a very blessed man. And I think that being there as much as I could, and those years were busy for me, but to try my best to be there, um, I think because of that, it made a big difference. Good parenting. What's that even look like? Good parenting. What does that really look like? What does a good father look like? And it's really hard in our culture, in our day and age, to even define that anymore. And we, we think, well, you know, remember the old the old timers? You know, they never said to their kids, I love you. Okay? My dad, he, I don't remember my dad ever telling me I loved, that he loved me until he became a Christian. And that was three years before he died. And then my father actually said, I love you. And he said it first. I'm like, wow, this is cool. It's amazing what Christ in us changes. Even how to love and express love. And so a lot of people say, you know I love you because I buy you food. And I put a, a roof over your head, so therefore I love you. Okay, I'm just telling you I love you. I prove it by what I do. I provide for you. Have a nice day. And, and then you got the over zealous, emotional, it's like they coddle and, you know, put them in a rubber room and won't let the kids out, you know, and it's just like a total, you know, it's just like, I love you, so it's like we swarm them in order to find that balance. Balance is, is real key. We want to take care of them physically. If man does not provide for his own family, he's worse than an infidel, a lost person. You got to provide for your kids, okay? We understand that. And we need to supply them spiritual nourishment, so get them in the Word, love them, live it out is the most important thing to do. And then, and then the older, older parents and grandparents, has your prayer life evolved? Remember when they were little, you know, it's like, may they not skin their knee again. May they not break their arm on the jungle gym again. You know, you're just like there, you know, and then they start getting into, you know, may they actually pass. They're great, you know, they're, they're great. And then eventually it's like that you give them car keys. Oh. You go into prayer and fasting. 
You hand those keys over, you're about ready to go Pentecostal. You're about to lay hands on that vehicle that is going to be all right. You know what I mean? Because you're scared to death for them. Oh, keep them safe, you know. And you, you really pray. And then they go out on their first quote-unquote date. That's when they're 35. You know, they're allowed because they got to figure, you know, this is one, you know. We're not allowed to use the word date. It's, it's, that's the illegal word you use nowadays in Christianity. So we, that's all we ever use. So now it's, it's courting. Courting, is that the proper term now? You court young people. So you court. That means you are intending on marrying that person the first time you go out with them. Because your father did all the investigating, you check him on Google, see if he has any, you know, felonies. So he knows everything about it before you go out with the guy. And then he meets him at the door, you don't know that he gets up, Terry. Yeah, you want to know, he's just 45, you know what that thing will do to you, buddy? You would never do that, though, I know. What's a good parenting look like? It looks like Jesus. It looks like God the Father with us. He loves us, he provides for us, he takes care of us, he's there, he listens to us. Everything that the Heavenly Father is, that's what we're supposed to be. This is not that hard. We make it hard. Our culture makes it really, really hard. But you look at the most important ingredients of what the Father is to us, we can do that. Now, it would be nice if we were here available 24-7 as fathers, as God the Father is. You know, he doesn't sleep, he doesn't slumber, he's always there, he doesn't go on vacations, etc. You don't have to email him, you know, you just talk to him. Well, hopefully we can be there and our children know that we have access to us at any given time. So in this text, as I mentioned, the favorite verse of all parents, children obey your parents in the Lord. We think of them as the young ones, that you're trying to, to create an obedience inside of them. Good parents are showing the ways of God to these little ones. And they're trying to say, listen, my Heavenly Father teaches me that I'm supposed to be obedient to Him. So the way you learn obedience is by teaching as a parent your children to obey you. Because when you say we're supposed to obey God, if you have not taught them obedience, they're going to like, nobody's going to taught me. By the way, that's what we're seeing with government, with uh, policemen and everything, the youth have no respect for them because they've never been taught consequences. You do that? You're in trouble, buddy. And they need to understand the fear because that's gone. So, compared to demand obedience, demand it. If you, if Drive me nuts. You're all in Walmart. You're going, you hear three hours over the mom or dad screaming to kids, you do that one more time. You do that one more time. I'm telling you, one more time. I'm like, is it not one more time yet? Do something to this kid. We're tired of it. I don't want to do nothing to kids. So we're trying to instill obedience so they understand when you obey God, it's not the consequences for it. Obedient children. When they do, it is a great way for children to show that they love and respect their parents by obeying. 
when we first John gets into the subject for you and I as children, he, he brings that concept up. Um, if you love me, you're going to do what? Keep, guard, do my commandments. So, as a father, this is what's best for you. I got the best design for you in life. And if you do a great, then you're really blessed by me. If you don't, you're in trouble. And so we do a show of the same concept in our lives as we are showing our children what to do when they obey and they show respect to the parents by obeying. This is the greatest way for a child to honor their parents. Just by doing what they're told, when they're told, with the right heart attitude. That's really what obedience is. So, lately, people have been saying, hey, what are you going to do in Alaska? And I say, I have no idea. You have to ask my wife. Because she and Val are the group activity leaders. They're going along with it. They're, they're, yeah. So, I tell them, I'm a good husband. I do what I'm told, when I'm told, with the right heart attitude. You don't know. I'm like, I'm going to Alaska. And that's all I care about. I think I know where I'm leaving. I think I know when I'm coming back. But these guys are dope. We're going to have an awesome time, you know. But we do what we're told, when we're told, with the right heart attitude. And that's obedience. And everyone is in God's time to us now. God is what we do. Oh, just kidding. Just go. Get down down. That's really what it's all about. You know what is expected. You know when it's supposed to be done. But then you're not supposed to keep the garbage can when you're taking the garbage out when you're supposed to. You're like, all right, just one attitude along with it. Because God looks at our attitude in obedience, right? I love this verse in 2 Corinthians. He says, I, thinking almost as a parent, Paul says to the church, I will very gladly spend and be sent for you. So the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. You know what that means? It seems like this day and age, we have parents that can't get our kids enough. And it's as though we're going to prove to our kids that we love them because we're going to give them this before anybody else has it. We're going to spend more. We're going to give and give and give. And you all know most I'm not saying this is every time, good things out there, but most of them will begin to accept them. Because you did this, now you got to keep your goal. Okay, get, take, you know, get a bigger bonus, Dad, get more money, because there's something else I really want to have. And before long, they get and get and get. And there's no, I'm overwhelmed. Thank you so much for this. From the kid to the parent who worked harder. To it seems like the more we do, the less we're loved. So why don't we do it the right way, God's way? Teach the kids how to work. Teach them how to earn. You say, well, that will be child abuse. What's all going on? Understand reality. Teaching them finances. Teaching them what's it like to give. Trying to save up, take up their care of some. Somebody at Faith Mission, let's take care of a missionary. Hey, uh, Evans are heading out. Why do you pay this $100 you're in the making? Let's give them back to him and let's give it to the Evans so they can get to the end. Let's do something, some project. 
and you're teaching them harmony. All of it is so relevant. It's all parenting. Instead of loving the school and everybody else, to, to, you know, you turn one of the kids and kind of mm-hmm. Obedience fulfills the will of the Father. This parable that I'm going to read for you, and I'm almost out of time, I have two more concepts that I, I want to give to you. Um, this parable that I'm going to read you is very important to me because when I first trusted Christ as my Savior, I really resisted in some bad some things that I just didn't you know. I, I want to be saved, I want to be forgiven, but I don't want to change my life. You know, I, I was like a rebellious young child when I first got saved. I'm like, I'll do this and this and this, but I'm not going to give up this. I'm not going to do this. And I started, after about two or three months, I started questioning my salvation. If I were really saved, would I make him Lord of everything I've ever done? You know, everything, everything. You would never do anything wrong. You would always do something that I got a reality check in Christian. And I struggled. I'm like, I must not be a Christian. I must not have the Holy Spirit because, you know, but I knew what I had to go through because, because it was so very Because everything I was doing that I knew was not obedience to God, I struggled with it. And it was not fun. It was like, and I knew God was working inside of me. And I struggled and thought it was great terrible. Jesus said, what do you think? A certain man had a few sons. He came the first son and said, Son, go out this day into the vineyard. And the son answered and said, No, I will not. But afterward, he repented and asked. Well, he came to the second son and said, Do the same thing again. So he went in the vineyard work. And he answered and said, I will go there. But he never went out. And she just asked this question. Which of these two men, your sons, did the will of the Father? And they said it was the first one. And what we're getting at is there are times as a child of God, we understand what the Father says to us, and there's times we're going to go, no, no, no. But then God works, and then we finally say, but the right thing to do is to go and to do. And the other one was all verbiage. Telling Daddy anything he wanted to hear. So when it came to action, the time of the work, he didn't do it. And I pray that God would help me to, to give him more through the years. And uh, I don't know if I would be here if it wasn't for this parable. This parable changed me because it gave me a confidence in my God. To realize there's times I'm not where I need to be, but God isn't done with me yet. And then eventually we turn around, repent, and go the right direction for God. What we desire in our children is obedience. What we desire in our youth, the young people that are learning, the teenagers, etc. There's one thing you want to know what would be left to really honor your parents. The teenager, to obedience. It is, but I think it's more of this. It's found in Proverbs. It's a simple word. Listen. Just listen to them. You ever feel when you're talking to teenagers, you're, you're going, and then you say, 
do you hear the words coming out of my mouth? And you have to say it really, really, really slow. And then they'll go, as like, so you want them to listen, to hear what you're saying, not what they think you're going to say. Because if my son is probably going hear the instruction of your father, because they forsake not the law of your mother, for they're an ornament of grace upon your head and chains upon your neck. So my son's it's very enticing. He said, yeah. You know what every parent's desire for a teenager is? To hang out with good people. Because if they're around good people, they're going to have a good influence on them. That's Proverbs 1. It's amazing how much God's word teaches them all the time to do it. It's like right here. We got it. It's just a matter of putting it in. So, to the teenagers, you just listen to it. If you know they're going to take you down a dark road, don't go there. Don't. Let them talk you into it. Stay over here. Stay around good people. Good Christian people are going to encourage you and help you and pray with you. That's what you want. The last thing, what about us as we are older? What does honoring our parents look like now? Well, for young kids, okay, for teenagers, it's good. What about us who are older? Maybe our parents are in their 80s. Some ladies I'm hearing, how do we, how do we honor them? Well, they can't tell you to be tender to love anymore. You've listened, and now you've taught your own kids. I think one of the ways that we honor them when they're old is by ministering to them. There's a verse in Matthew 15. And Paul just says, um, hey, Jesus, uh, Jesus is Christ the Pharisees was toward Jerusalem. And they said, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of our of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. So basically this is the tradition of you're gonna eat something you gotta wash your hands on Okay? But you heard it's hard to find in the law, not that wash thy hands before thou eatest thy bread. So, but they made this tradition. Here's what Jesus says. Why do you transgress the commandments of God? Find your traditions. So, this is what tradition is what men The Bible is along with what God says. So, we say what God says outweighs what men says. God commanded, saying, Honor your father and mother. He that cursed his father or mother, let him die to death. That's what the law says. And if the young man would curse their parents, it did not stone them. That's right, there is not under the law. But you say, but you say, whosoever shall say to his father or mother, or is a gift by whomsoever thou mightest be profited by me, and I'll explain this in a moment, and honor not his father or mother. He's done free. Thus, you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your own traditions. Here's the story. So we got this money. I don't want to marry if you need help over here or getting older and you know, you know, but you got this money. You know what? I don't want to take this in the offering plate 
And I'm so proud that you get to use your car to go back and forth for the first two months. And my sister took care of her and put her in that thing that was happening. And then we were here. Some of you met her and my mom. First year, so we were here. And she said, hey, Paul, I want you to do my funeral. I'm like, okay, Mom, I'll do your funeral. And so I did. We got through it. And the only time I broke down and had to get a composure when I went, I wanted to thank my sister. Because he was really the only one living there by Mom. that could take care of her. And she was got the doctor all the treatments and chemos and everything she had to go through. My mom was able to stay in the house and be well enough to do that. Matter of fact, I was there. Lori and I were able to get down a before she went home to the Lord. And then all four of us, our spouses, were there. And I said to mom, she went home to the Lord. And then after your also, I said, Andy, I cannot thank you enough for taking care of mom and honoring her. And that's when I broke down. And not ever complain can always be there. But even if uh, you can do a long distance way of helping out, do this in your way of honoring them. Physically, emotionally, and spiritually. That's what three part means. Take care of those three from mom and dad. And today, chapter for dad. And there you go. Father, I pray that these concepts have been fought through and that they, each one of us in the room, have been better quiet with. Your word is amazing how you teach us how to live and to delete chaos from our lives. So I pray that you all apply that we can, your word is saying. And Lord, I do not know the hearts. I do not know each one, but you do. If there's some here that do not have you, that is their heavenly Father, because they've never believed in Jesus Christ as your Savior. But God, that you'll work in that heart, draw them to yourself, and may they understand that the Father is God. Because I'm not close, if you're, if you're here, if, if you have not trusted Jesus as your Savior, I want to address you for a second. If you're not to say you can know you sure what that means or what it means you be a Christian, you have to understand God loves you so much. You can't just turn Jesus and die on the cross for your sins so you can be forgiven. All sin will be expunged from your record. You go free. But your sin is put on Jesus on the cross. He took your sin for you. He goes again three days later, and now he's in heaven. Listen to your heart, listen to your prayers, and what he's waiting for is to hear you say, I believe. I believe Jesus died for my sin, and I can't wash it over and say, I believe he rose again for me. And if he hears that prayer coming to you by faith, he can hear it, he can answer it, and you're going to forgive him for the Lord Master. He can be your heavenly Father. Just say something like this to God, I do know that in your sight I'm a sinner. I'm convinced that. I believe that Jesus came to earth and died on the cross to take away my sin. He died for me. I believe three days later, He rose again for me. I believe that He did this, and now I'm calling you to save me that I will be one of your children 
and He's forgiven me. And one day I'll be with you. If you pray that or something like that, I'd really be good with you. Please let me know after the service is over of that choice. Or if you can need one of the usher somebody so that we can really encourage you and help you in your faith, help you to do well.